Welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. And hey, we're back. It's been a long time since one of these has come out. Like, I don't know, three months? Since Wonder Woman, I think, was the last time we did this. That was only June, actually. So it's really just oh. been two months. Yeah, June 6th. It, it feels like a, lot, a while because we were doing this weekly for a good while there. And then we sort of stopped. You know, we have other shows that we're doing, too. So... It was a good time to jump back into the Todd and Taylor show, dust dust off the the uh, the show, so to speak, and get into some stuff and catch up. Um, you and I have kind of had a busy summer, so I I don't even think we've talked about uh, some of your travels um, much. That's and, true. You know, there's been a lot of stuff on my side too, but I guess let's just let's just jump right in. Since since we last spoke, you went to San Diego Comic Con. I did. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's somewhat of a religious journey for me every year, <laughs> like it or not, I go. <laughs> and every year I don't go and hate myself for it. So I need, that needs to be corrected soon. I think maybe, maybe even next year. I well, that, I, that's interesting. I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I, every year I, I watch the excitement of people who, you know, are going for the first time or whatever, or the disappointment of people who, don't get to go like you know, can't get tickets or or something there's some terrible expense or something um so i i definitely feel a bit privileged that i get to go um i don't ever want to dismiss it but um i i i see it from a different viewpoint i guess so mm. uh you know like i i love it and actually the last two years have have been some of the most enjoyable uh times i've gone specifically because of my friends going and the way we've mm. arranged it and we're you know we're we're older and and we ha- have regular jobs and so we eat regular food and we go to bed at regular hours <laughs> and we you know we stay in a, a, a friend's house um a little outside of the downtown area so we're close but we're out of the hubbub and it's you know it's but it's a very different experience i think than what people envision as san diego comic-con with you know a lot of cheap meals and packed hotel rooms with friends and uh you know that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Did you and you? We've done whole episodes about Comic Con in the past, but for for yeah, new listeners, three whole episodes last year. If people want to look those up. Oh my god. Um, but for new listeners or those who've forgotten, you're not a Hall H kind of guy, right? You sort of no. You, you stay out of the the big huge stuff. You kind of do the the deep dive and and kind of the, the parts of Comic Con that aren't quite as yeah as uh, noted noted or, or highlighted. Let's just say. Well, yeah, that's true. I think. Um, you know, Hall H and Ballroom 20 are the really big, huge uh, venues and you got to wait all night and, you you know, and then you're pretty much committed for the day because well, if you've waited 13 hours to get into this thing, why would you leave after the first panel and yeah. um, that kind of stuff? So uh, I, yeah, I do. Um, I, I don't do that. <laughs> and I'm probably more sane for it. Um I, I don't even have a good read on Hall H this year. It did not seem as, I mean, it's always, it's always packed and, and booming, but I didn't, it didn't seem like as newsworthy or something. No, like there it didn't right. seem like there was a bunch of hype that came to Hall H. Totally. Yeah. There, it really was kind of devoid. I don't think I saw a single thing that was like, oh my God, you guys. I know, granted, there were some really cool, you know, trailers and stuff, but we've come to the point now where for the most part, uh, Avengers Infinity War excluded Comic-Con trailers go live to the public almost like day and date. You know, like we get them on yeah. YouTube almost that exact same minute, which, which is, is great. And it, which is honestly better because the whole excitement of the panel ought to be like whom you're seeing there and what they yes. say. It ought to be more about that 
you know, that experience that you can't duplicate somewhere else. And I get, and I think that's, what's been wrong in the past is that it's been all about like, we're going to see some preview of this, you know, it's like, if there's the doctor who thing, it's like, we're going to see the, you know, the first preview of the next season. Um, Although I'm sure the Doctor Who people were were very excited to see the cast. But, you know, it's like the Game of Thrones panel this year. There was a lot of news that came out of it, but the season had actually started the Sunday before, correct? Yeah, correct. (laughs) um, You know, it's... uh, If it's your first time going and you, uh, you know, you, you find out there's something cool going on in Hall H, by all means, like, wait it out. I've... I've been in Hall H for a, a bunch of stuff, but just have not the past several years done the overnight thing. I've never done the overnight thing. So. Well, give me your sort of your punch list, your greatest hits of uh, SDCC 2017. What, what yeah. really so struck out? You, so Thursday um, was my first day down there. Uh, and I had seen the night before that um, uh, a, a man I greatly admire, John Hodgman. Oh, um, I know him as... I'm a PC from the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials, but he's also been in literally all of my favorite sitcoms, uh, you know, Bored to Death and 30 Rock. And um, I would bet he's even in Flight of the Concord somewhere or something. Oh, probably. Uh, and he's, surely, you know, um, and he, uh, he's an author and he's a podcast host of this amazing podcast called Judge John Hodgman, where he literally dispenses like such fair and kind wisdom to people. Anyway, um, I'd just seen the night before on his Instagram that he was headed to Comic-Con. I thought, what is this? And he had a signing um, Thursday at 11 a.m. I was the fourth person in line and handed a little post-it note on which to write my uh, name so that he would not misspell it. Um, and then, you know, I just stood there at the corner of the table and there were just three people in front of me and they gave us a sample chapter, like a cool little sort of zine looking printout of this chapter from his new book. And he numbered all of them. So mine is SDCC 004. And, you know, he asked me if the Todd A, if the A was uh, (laughs) mandatory in the. (laughs) And I said, yes, it is. There are a lot of there are a lot of Todd's in my peer group. Um, You know, I was born in the 70s. It was a big, big name back then. And so he signed it uh, to Todd, uh, quotation marks, A, um, and then put the best of the Todd's. And, uh, you know, it's just like I, I had a, a brief moment where I said I look forward to summertime fun time, Judge John Hodgman, um, because I want to hear more about your your bailiff's, uh, you know, shame, shamey is what his bailiff calls nudity. And uh, John kind of chuckled and politely and said, wow, it's been a year already since we discovered that. And, you know, so I had my moment with John Hodgman. And then did, I he have the, did he have the like uh, the, the, the old West sheriff's beard and hat? Oh, on? yeah. He has this crazy beard, and lately what he's been uh, wearing in, I assume, promotion of this this book of his, Vacation Land, um, is sort of a ball cap that generally has like Vermont or some other um, uh, New England state logo on it or something. And then he also had a, a jaunty tennis sweater tied around his neck, which which he put on <laughs> just as he was sitting down, like in plain view of all of us. We watched sure, him sure. get into costume. But then he also walked the floor, we all discovered later, with... Adam Savage of Mythbusters, both of them dressed as Chewbacca's. So there were two two <laughs> Chewbacca's, um, which, as all of you Ween fans out there, um, was was a great uh, great callback. Man, he's lost That's weight me. too. He almost looked. I almost didn't recognize him in his picture. Was, yeah, like he looks very I different. I think he's looked that way for a while, but I, I 
feel like people just don't see him as much. Um, That's true. Yeah. He, uh, uh, the beard really slims him down, I guess. Gotcha. It's gotcha. funny because the chapter of the book that he gave us is actually about the beard or that's how it starts. Um, <laughs> That's he, a great. So, that's a really cool find, though. Like that's again. Oh yeah, that's exactly that's what I live for with uh, Comic Con. That to me is the reason for going. Yeah, like, and instead of like waiting in a thirteen-hour line, you're seeing a really cool cultural kind of icon. Yeah, up on the convention hall. hall floor, on the exhi- yeah. exhibit hall floor, just at the Random House booth. You know, yeah. so that's the thing to look for. People, I think, get. And now, I, I, when I say people, I mean the 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 public that sees the news footage of everyone in costume and in giant lines, the people yeah. in the hall know, know what's up. You know, like if you go to Comic-Con uh, you'll, you'll pretty quickly learn like where the, where the magic is. Um, so, it, uh, I, but I'm just telling all of you who have not been like, that's the real fun of it is like finding those things you really connect with and having that, that special moment with them, you know, and over the years, like I've, I've had a bunch of those and it's been very cool. And, um, so anyway, that that happened, and then I walked over to uh, uh, ooh, I forgot the name of the publisher, but where my friends were in line to get Berkeley Breathhead, who does Bloom County, they were um, uh, getting autographs from him. He has done this the last two years, and it's just you know my friends have gotten like the new collection, and then they get him to sign it. And one of my friends was getting it for uh, his girlfriend's mom this collection because she loves it, and he said, "Yeah, actually, I got you to autograph this last year." for uh my girlfriend's mom and you know so i'm doing this one again and berkeley signed it like (laughs) you weren't here again very (laughs) very frustrated oh and you know it was like oh man there's your cool little moment with berkeley breathhead you know and um yeah so then we uh we go back to my this is like seriously it's 11 15 in the morning on on thursday we uh, go back to my friend eric coda who is now for the second year had a booth in artist alley um, we go back to his booth and and kind of shove our loot under the table, and we're walking out to get lunch. Um, and I pass in Artist Alley John Holmstrom, who is the artist behind Punk Magazine, which is the magazine that named punk rock in America. Um, you know, uh, and Legs McNeil was like sort of the big writer for Punk, and John was the illustrator. And you've seen his work on like Ramones album covers, and it just you would recognize his style immediately. It's this very goofy sort of cartoony look of you know punk rock and he's sitting there with this huge like uh best of punk like giant coffee table book um that's gorgeous and he also has this awesome ramones like the ramones new york poster where it's all in his cartoon style like showing the areas of new york that are important to the ramones and and i'm sitting there i'm staying there with my friend we're we're walking out of the hall when i see this and and i'm like oh, i know i want one of these things let's go to lunch and i'll figure it out and then i just go nope <laughs> get in the book <laughs> so i say that to to john i say yeah i want to get that book and and I, I i he had shown me the poster and and i told him yeah i saw this poster when uh, i was at the ramones exhibit at the grammy museum and john holmstrom is it goes at the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles. And I'm like, yeah, in Los Angeles. You know, I start telling him about it. And he's he's clearly didn't know that they were using his work in this exhibit. <laughs> There's this moment of like concern I felt from him, like, what? And hmm. I know, you know, it was just another of those like, hey. I just gave this dude that I totally admire some information he didn't previously have. And there's my <laughs> special connection with him. And they're he, just like us. He they're signs the book to me and says, you know, puts a little cartoon in it, says don't punk out, which was what he was signing to everybody I know. But um, it was still a very like special moment. And uh, so then I have to walk back to Eric's table because this book is so effing huge and heavy and I'm not going to lug it to lunch with us. 
Um, yeah. So at Thursday we go to lunch and I was like, you know what? It's gravy at this point. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And well, it sounds like, it sounds like Eric's table is, uh, Eric needs to start charging rent for all these ideas. you're putting at his table. Like, good Lord. I mean, I, that's incredibly like, helpful. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a huge help. Exactly. These are, I mean, uh, and again, like I feel like kind of like a spoiled brat when I have these experiences with con because I know people are just lugging this stuff around or standing in the heat in these lines or they got to, you know, go back to some sweaty hotel and I've got this cushy pad to crash at. But like I had all those experiences <laughs> and all my friends did. We've been doing this. I, this was my 10th consecutive year. Dang, so I, I feel like, yeah, if anything, I've kind of, I've, you know, paid my dues. Like we all have, like, you know, we're still sleeping on air mattresses and stuff. It's just that. We get to go to bed at 10 p.m. So, so you would have started um, going when you and I first met or around that time. I went, um, you know, the first year I moved to California, uh, I, I was able to buy tickets without pre-registering just like three months in advance. Wow. That was only like, that long ago. Like I would have expected that would be like one of those stories you hear about the early 90s. Like, no. oh, yeah. I mean, oh my God. And it's so it's so frustrating to 2008, actually, Okay, um, you know, because this this year would be the the 10th. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, um, you used to be able, like, even then, you would buy a ticket. So on Thursday, sorry, I bought, I bought my ticket months in advance because they did sell out. But I walked in on Thursday and I would get my badge and they would say, Do you want to buy next year's ticket? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> so yeah. you would just buy the next year's ticket at check in. Jesus. And I don't understand why they stopped that practice. It's like, Dude, you had a like your income was just guaranteed on day one of what yeah. you were going to have the next year at least. You know, yeah. Uh, I've never understood that practice. Uh, I wish they would grandfather. And when did they you know, stop doing it? What year? It kind of it kind of trickled out. Like a, you know, the next I probably did it two years in a row that way, and then the next year there was like an off-site place where you had to go buy your ticket, uh, and then the next year you had to go wait in a line off-site, and then there was just this like hilarious nightmare year where um, my friend Martin and I. Um, at whom at whose house I stay, uh, we went down, we ran down in the morning, like before everyone left the house, and we said, We're just gonna pick up next year's tickets, we'll be back. <laughs> and we literally got locked in a room in the basement of a hotel with no cell service for like Whoa. four hours. Oh my god. Because that they just stuck you in a line. And you know, we haven't showered, we haven't eaten. We're sitting there like just losing our minds, like in this basement, knowing like if we leave, no tickets for next year, and we were in charge of buying like everybody's tickets. Oh geez. So it was an awful awful experience and so it's just yeah they've they've been just you know increasing the uh milgram experiment uh experiment on us every year no, you know? seriously um wow. yeah yeah so i i wanted to tell you the other thing that was is of huge note to you is that on friday i went to an image comics panel called <laughs> excellence in storytelling mm. um it was a small panel but it had nick dragata marjorie <gasps> lou <gasps> dustin Nguyen, mark <gasps> bernadin um mark bernard bernard yeah. uh, and amy reader and greg hinkle um and it was awesome i mean it was just a very low-key panel where th these are all artists yeah. talking about how they tell stories through art i uh, mean i would have wanted just just nick dragata alone he said the coolest shit man that guy it was so cool like, and you oh. and it, and that was the, actually the great thing was everyone had a totally different perspective marjorie lou actually is not an artist, I don't believe. I think she's okay. the writer of Monstress. Um, but Dustin Nguyen is this, I mean, he does these amazing like watercolor um, paintings. He's doing a book called Descender now, which actually, have I told you about that? You might really love no. this. No. Um, 
And Amy Reader does something called Rocket Girl, which within like one panel of it, I went, well, I got to buy all of those. You know, it was like <laughs> it sold and they actually didn't have it at the booth when I went downstairs. So I, I've still not um, uh, acquired it, but I definitely will. And, it, it, you know, Amy Reader said cool stuff about um, like she, you know, she'll work in Photoshop, but she doesn't like using SketchUp to do like 3D models and stuff like that because she's seen some people really... Um, go a little too crazy with with SketchUp. And then Greg Hinkle jumps in and was like, I use SketchUp all the time. <laughs> mm. And then Nick Dracotta would talk about like just, you know, exactly what you've heard, because Taylor and I have talked about this on past podcasts, that graphic design element. Like he, they showed some panel where, you know, half of it is literally the sound effect in this huge slanted type, like, mm. you know, like a kaboom kind of sound effect. And, you know, somebody asked, like, did the letterer do that? Or did you do that? You know, how did this come up? And he was like, no, I designed that. And here's how I did it using the lasso tool and, you know, cutting out all these pieces so that it would fit in the drawing. And it's like, holy shit, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then just all the stories he has of, um, oh my God, remind me of uh, East versus West. Is it Hickman that writes it? East, uh, East of West is Hickman of, and then Dragato. Yeah, yeah. So Hick, Hickman would go to him and describe a panel and, and Dragato would be like, no, no, no. <laughs> here's what we're gonna do uh, and it's just cool uh, stuff about you know somebody asked about the robot horses and he was like well you know it's like uh we want to put everybody on a horse kind of futuristic and the head's the hardest thing to draw so i just lopped off all the heads so there you go there's your robot horse it sounds like it was it sounds uh, like norm mcdonald well, you know the, the robots yeah, yeah. yeah in the future but, is cut their heads off right? but just so like informative and, and straight to the point and dustin Nguyen has done really awesome work i've got a bunch of prints of his and like sketchbooks and stuff where he he had done a bunch of batgirl covers that i loved um back prior to the new 52 i guess when uh stephanie brown was batgirl and um then he did this thing called lil gotham which is all watercolor like tiny little batman characters and it's just like this beautiful style and hearing him talk about descender where you would think here's this artist who you know, is so careful because he's doing it all in watercolor and it's got to be just perfect for comics. And he would say things like, yeah, that's, you know, like I just literally threw the paint at the canvas on this one and just hoped it would sort of land in a good explosive way. And then I went back and <laughs> figured out how to do the rest of the panel. And, you know, there were things like where he was like, yeah, well, you know, I'll smudge this up, but it's image. And, and you know, they're not like super big on, uh, you know, <laughs> consistency or whatever. So I knew I could get away with it. It's creator owned, basically. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. he said, it's not like working on one of those titles like Batman where, you know, the major publisher has owned this this property for 70 years mm -hmm. and they're exact about, you know, Batman's eyebrow or something. Yeah. So it was just super cool. And, um, you know, Mark Bernardin, had, he's the writer of uh, a book called Genius. And so, yeah, yeah. So he and Marjorie were the writers on the panel. And and, and they just said great stuff too. It was it was awesome. So that that's my roundup. I hope I didn't run too long on that image thing, but that was uh Oh God, no. That yeah. just that but again, you it, for anyone listening, if you want to have a good Comic-Con experience, tweet Todd and just ask <laughs> him what to do cuz it's it's just like every time you come back, you offer this like other version of it's almost like a a, a Comic-Con from another world. Oh, like, you know, I'll tell you like uh, that's great to hear. Um and on, honestly, tweet at me even if you just want to know like where to eat. Um, or where the clean Ooh. bathrooms are. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Uh, you know, your survival tips for Comic-Con. Um, but, I, you know, I'll totally credit my friend Chris Martin. Um, you know him as the singer of Coldplay, but he uh, took that. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one who found that panel, and I tagged along, and then we ran into two of our other friends there um, who would obviously had the same idea. Uh, <clears throat> he did make me pay for that decision by walking me around the entire 
goddamn convention floor. Well, <laughs> find the room, but it totally paid off in the end. Um, and uh, Chris also, um, I, I don't know, maybe it was Thursday afternoon or Friday, one of those days where we'd never done this before. Um, but he was, he just said, you know, I, I kind of figured <clears throat> at some point this afternoon, I'm going to take a break. Let's go up to that gaming room. So we went to this game room, which, you know, um, it, it's just a crazy side of Comic-Con where you don't, you don't think about it. it's on like the mezzanine level, you know? So a lot of people just sort of pass through it going to the exhibit floor on the bottom or the rooms on the top. And, uh, a bunch of people who basically kickstarted games, are there with their game, hoping you'll play it with them. So we oh, played. Neat. We played this game, um, uh, which I will g- Google when when you're talking in a minute, and so I can plug it. But um, uh, uh, yeah, so we played a game with its inventor, um, and uh, you know, it's just like a, what a unique experience. It's like just me, Chris, and the inventor of this game teaching us how to play it. Uh, it was called Overlords of Infamy. Um, and uh and Chris ended up buying it because the Kickstarter had ended, but they said, you know, if you if you want to put in an order now, we'll give you the Kickstarter price and whatever. And so Chris did it. So uh see that's the that's the area of Comic-Con that, that sort of the 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 vein of Comic-Con that I most appreciate is just kind of the celebration of creativity in that way. Like the whole thing is that, you know, uh, at the end of the day, but like seeing a floor where people are literally, literally like, I'm making this. I want to talk to you about making yeah. this thing. Like, that's just so cool. Like that. I love that. Well, I'll tell you, I, we have got to, it can't be this year, obviously, cause it happens in like three weeks, but we, we got to do like a dragon con thing too. I've yeah, been yeah. once and it is of such, I mean, you cannot overstate what a different kind of experience it is. Um, honestly, Taylor and I would go to everybody's comic con and just report back on them. If any of these comic cons want to employ us and just that's right, fly us around to report well, on where the cool stuff is. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced you and I are going to do Denver. We'll be there. Yeah, not reporting, but actually. Uh, oh, we will be there for exhibiting sure. or something. Um, yeah, but I mean, Dragon Con, Comic Con to to has is growing out. Actually, there's a there's many more official Comic Con events that are in the hotels around mm. um dragon con is just this labyrinth of rooms like where different uh you know areas are like artist alley is nowhere near sort of the you know toy exhibit floor which is nowhere near like where the games are and stuff like that it's really crazy comic con feels navigable and understandable because it's one giant convention center and then it's kind of like hey there's extracurricular stuff outside of that and in fact i can't believe i forgot this so friday afternoon uh, eric coda and i went to the best of earwolf panel um because eric and i are fans of uh several different earwolf podcasts but it was paul left Tompkins and paul Shear and um oh my god who else was there holy shit i can't believe i just blanked out on everyone um you know the guy that runs it all scott ackerman oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and it was just so cool i mean i'm a huge fan of how did this get made obviously and they ran it like the end of a how did this get made where paul they they barely introed it at all um and paul Shear just took the mic and came out into the crowd and started asking questions and that's uh, cool eric and i were eric of course was totally amused um and i was terrified because we were certain that paul Shear was just going to beeline to me with a question. And as soon as he stepped in the audience, I knew that was going to happen. And my brain went entirely blank. Um, as it did, you know, when talking to John Hodgman, like I just can't form words. Um, and because Eric took me to a, uh, comedy bang, bang 
show many years ago in LA and I was pulled on stage once. And then, and then, a, you know, a couple hours later, Thomas Lennon came and sat in my lap to sing a Christmas carol. It was incredibly <laughs> awkward. Um, and Eric, of course, is untouched, unscathed. No one oh, sure. is him. And he's right next to me in the front row. Um, and then, you know, I was pulled on stage at a Penn and Teller show. Like, this is just a thing with me where it's like, you yeah, just have one of those faces. Yeah, he looks – this will mortify him. Let's get him up here. Or or so, they're like, hey, he's going to be a pretty agreeable guy. He'll he'll be into this. Like, you Paul, never know. Paul Shear walks all the way – like, he walks down the row. Eric's on the end of the row, of course. Eric can easily be gotten to. He walks down that row all the way around the back, then comes down to the row that I'm in. Like, and I'm the only person, but I'm way in the center. And it looks totally like he's just going to walk in. Luckily, there's someone right behind me in the row behind me uh, – dressed like the devil like totally skin (laughs) painted red in a polo shirt um from uh i guess it's a show your pretty little face is going to hell and so obviously he couldn't even concentrate on me because he had to go straight for that guy so thank god i was spared the devil devil saved you is what you're but i do i do go see a live taping of how did this get made next week so possibly i'll get embarrassed then but anyway uh yeah so i'll wrap that up um that you know it it was great podcasting stuff and some uh, you know, people ask for their advice and, and their number one advice was get good microphones. Like yeah. don't try to do it on, you know, uh, shitty microphones. Their other big top advice was don't do any Skype calls or, you know, <laughs> remote stuff. Just do a podcast with a guy that's in the city with, you know, or your neighbor, um, someone yeah. who lives in the same city as you. So we're breaking well, out those rules. Yeah, that's all right. That's, we that's should jump into trailers that we saw. We uh, should, because a lot of these came out during yeah. SDCC. And I wanted to ask you about one that I did not actually see and totally forgot about, but that's Ready Player One. You're uh, a big fan of the book. What? How does the the trailer make you feel about the movie? Are you well? Or- let's just say before I jump in with my thoughts, it, it's worth noting that the trailer has been largely divisive um, online, where a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, it's the greatest thing! It's Steven Steven Spielberg's second coming." A right. lot of other equal amount of people are like, oh, no, this isn't the book at all. And I'm in that camp. <laughs> I, and, and granted, it's just more Ooh. of a teaser trailer. But I saw this and I'm like, I th- they are painting the picture of a different story entirely here. Like there are scenes from the book, sure. But just the way they've teed it up, like it's it almost makes it sound the, – the whole point of the book is that it's a, a quest – basically to find this thing that's going to give this kid, you know, the future he always wanted. And yeah, in the midst of kind of a dystopian future of our own. Uh, And it's, and it's, yeah, there's, he goes into this VR world and has all these adventures, but it's towards an end. This makes it seem like this is just like, almost kind of like, you know, a kid's version of Tron where it's just like, you know, crazy things happen, like without any kind of purpose or like, I, I'll be very curious to see what the next one is. And granted the movie is a year away you know for for sure so it's we've got time but i just wasn't for all my anticipation i just was not thrilled with with the final product interesting yeah that's uh i wonder do you do you get a vibe from what you've seen is it a is it a reader um viewer split like are there people that just kind of are coming to this as spielberg fans or you know sort of geek fans and video game fans and think that the trailer looks cool or, or is it just not that clean of a split or there's some, I, you know, I, I can't say definitively. I'm going to venture a guess that the split is pretty much along book uh, or reader, non-reader lines. I, I just, I can't, because I can't rationalize 
how else a book reader would say, oh, that was great. And it's just like, you, you really can't. If you, if you know and love the book as I do, um, you know, there's just, there was, it just was missing, it was missing that quest aspect to it. It just, it just seemed like, a, it almost seemed like just like a music video, unless like a, there just wasn't any intimation of story. Now, maybe again, maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. I, I don't know. But uh, a, a trailer that was <laughs> kick ass, that was amazing, that blew me away, made me even more excited to see something that I was already excited for Thor Ragnarok. Oh my they God. dropped the, uh, the newest trailer there. And Jesus, like, just, it's like they finally figured out. And, and, and I'm, I'm somebody who actually really dug the Kenneth Branagh first one and, and actually appreciated the second one. But it's, yeah. It feels like they kind of figured out finally how to really make a Thor movie. Yeah, um, I, you know that when you you got to think back to like when Brana did the first one, like we were right in the middle of the Dark Knight trilogy. Superheroes yeah. were supposed to be dark. I mean, the second Thor was literally called the Dark World. True. And, yeah. they, and in the Avengers movies, they figured out like no, it, it's much funnier. And I think because of the Ghostbusters film with Hemsworth in that as the sort of airhead. Yeah, that, yeah, you know that it's like, but this guy's good at that. Let's let's do it. Let's give him this tone. That's funny, you know. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, the other the other success is the thing you've pointed out, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh God, which like it, completely yeah. upended the tone of all these Marvel movies. If yeah. if there's ever a movie to be a beneficiary of the Guardians of the Galaxy sort of uh, tonal shift, it's going to be Thor. Rag- I mean, Thor Ragnarok looks like it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, starring Thor. Like it just it has. You know, the colors, the sort of, you know, just crazy, oh, yeah. you know, just crazy space stuff. The designs look, you know, completely out, you know, out there. And just the fact that they put Hulk in it, you know, yeah. just like that. And I, I'll well, tell you this. Every time I see that freaking Kate Blanchett, Hella um, yeah. headdress thing, like every time I see it, I'm just, I'm, I'm spellbound by it. Cause I'm like, number one, how much does that thing weigh? She's physically like she's wearing it on her head. Like, how did they design that thing? Like, how did they? How is that possible? Like, just little things like that continue to just inspire me. And of course, as we've talked about on on episodes past, directed by Taika Waititi, who yeah. you know, if you love Flight of the Concords, you I, I I'm pretty sure will love this. I can't wait to put my bet on who Jermaine um clement what is what is his last name? Uh, no, Jermaine Clement. Yeah, Jermaine Clement is going to play in a in a cameo. Uh, inevitable cameo uh, in this. I mean, he's going to be in there somewhere. You, you I mean, feel like Goldblum is playing the the role normally played by by Jermaine. By Jermaine. <laughs> I wonder if they, like I wonder if Taika Waititi tried to cast Jermaine at first, and they're like, "Yeah, we need a bigger name." And they're like, "Okay, uh, Goldblum." <laughs> I, I don't know. I I feel like he's going to sneak him in because like those guys, and maybe even Murray too. Maybe Murray makes his way into there. I just yeah. you know. I would. Yeah, they they there there could be a, he. I mean, just the tone, he could make it work and make it fit. I think that's so wonderful. And I'll tell you what's I'm totally going to get this quoted wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Watiti said this is not part of like another Thor movie. Like yeah. this is very much like a standalone Thor, which mm-hmm. I assume was put out there to say, you know, this is not necessarily leading into Planet Hulk or something like that. Oh, I see um, what you mean. But um, I, but I, it, but also well, I think that kind of frees it up. Like, yeah, you know, it fits in the universe. Um, and I think how it, I, I assume that you know it's going to end and then sort of dovetail into what we're going to talk about next. But um, it, you know, it, it's great that it's a standalone movie and it's not 
you know, it's not. I think, well, I think he also said that though, to kind of, because uh, clearly they lost Natalie Portman. They lost Jamie Alexander. Yeah. You know, they've lost some, some regulars here. So it's, it's, I think they're like, eh, it's its own movie just so that you forget the people who used to be in it. Kat Denning's not in it either. Stellan Sarsgaard isn't, isn't, isn't in it either. Yeah. Like it's all those people are gone. Um, for one I mean, reason. they're all wonderful actors, uh, that I really like, but I'm not, I'm not shedding any tears over them not being in the store movie. Yeah, sure. it's fine. I, I mean, <laughs> how could I? Goldblum, Blanchett, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ruffalo. Yeah, yeah, Ruffalo. Another another trailer that came out slash didn't officially come out, but yeah. it, and I don't it, think this was a uh, Comic Con. I think this was D twenty three. It was D twenty three, but they they showed it again at com at SDC. Oh, okay, yeah. And then um, I think they may have added like one slight tweak to it too or something. But in both cases, it never showed up online in any official yeah. capacity. I happened to sneak a peek of it uh, from somebody's like, you know, a pirated cell phone video. Of course, we're talking about uh, Infinity War, the, you know, the upcoming Avengers movie. And that's, yeah, I, I will which, say that. Which opens okay. with Thor, because I watched that, that pirated, or not pirated, but cell phone clip. Yeah. And uh, it opens with Thor like running into the guardians of the galaxy spaceship. Correct. Yeah. And I, and correct. I believe he's in sort of the garb of Ragnarok. So that's why I think it, it starts right there. Yeah. It, it, but, and let's hope so because, well, let me ask you this quick, quick aside. Does black Panther come out before or after infinity war? Great question. I'm going to look that up. Um, because the way I'm looking at it, Ragnarok should be the last movie beforehand, but I think it, it's, it's no, looking no, no. like Black Panther is going to be. Black Panther is next February. Yeah, so it's going to come before Infinity War. Infinity War is May. Yeah, yeah. And Ant-Man Ant and the Wasp is next July. So, Well, but, but all this to be said, like there's some major story that needs to be – like some some track that needs to be laid to, to get us cleanly to Infinity War. And I feel like Ragnarok is the best – I mean they're going to have to cram a lot into it. But if, you know, if Hela uh, is – if hell is taking the place of death, you know, that will tease her in yeah. terms of Thanos's motivations. You know, if, if, um, yes, yeah, so you're, you're kind of working backwards from the comic book plot. And I'm sort of optimistic that they just won't really try to make that fit. But even so, like, it just seems like, hey, this movie that's already in space, you know, it yeah. ties into the, the next main villain who's going to be from space. Like, it seems weird to go, hey, we're going to come back to Earth to secret Africa to show you this, which is going to be kick ass. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the, the, the footage or trailer they showed. Wait, did another Black Panther trailer come out during Comic-Con? Uh, I believe it. No, it's just the, the long one that we saw. I think but, it was oh, they showed right footage. Before. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They showed they showed final finished footage that the cast had not seen, and, and everybody there great videos of mind. them. Yeah, of the cast actually losing their mind. Yeah. That yeah. Awesome. So, so all that being said, like it's going to be kick ass. But like, I just it's going to be a, a little jarring to be like, okay, this wonderful new hero on Earth now. Le- I mean, if that's the last one, now here's Thanos. Like, what? How does that? How does? Because there's going to be some stinger at the end of, of Black Panther. That's for Infinity War. I surely. Um, so, like, what is that going to be? I, I don't know. The going back well, to the trailer, though. I've, I've done a, a quick Google and seen a headline on Screen Rant that says Black Panther is an important factor in Infinity War. So then that means th- that must mean the Soul Gem appears there. Maybe so. Because that's the only Infinity Stone that's left to be revealed. 
Um, I thought they were all out there, but it, the Soul Joan is. Oh, whoa. So, I didn't even realize this because uh, I haven't read Infinity War. Um, that Wakanda is actually attacked in Infinity War by Thanos and the Black Order. Okay. So, um, yeah. Well, there we go. There, yeah, I guess that's an so, easy so, way to tie it in if they want it. So going back to the trailer, like I was, I mean, granted we were seeing it through a, a shaky cell phone yeah. cam, but it just didn't, something about it seemed off to me. It just seems like they're going to be cramming so much goddamn CGI into this thing that I, it's not, it's not yeah. going to feel real. It's just, it's not going to feel like anything that I'm that excited to see. And I just, you know, and granted, yeah, that shot of him activating the glove and then like throwing down the moon or whatever the, the hell that was. Um, that, like that's going to be cool, but it's just, it's just the whole thing. Even Josh Brolin. I mean, he, he is a CGI mocap, you know, character in, in terms of Thanos. So I'm just like, ah, man, that's just, there's so much CGI. Well, I, just, I don't I, know. I don't know. I mean, um, I thought it looked good, but I did do that thing where I went, am I really watching the right thing? Like I kind of, you know, <laughs> Um, I only knew it was right because of the shaky cell phone part of it, because there yeah. are those things where you'll look for on YouTube, like, you know, new black Panther trailer and you'll get something that someone has cut together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, of I've those actors or something. Yeah. yeah. No, it um, did have that feel. It, it totally had that yeah, vibe. Like where it's like, Iron Man, there's sort of an Iron Man scene that appears out of nowhere and there's, you know, kind of flips around to like each different character. And I felt yeah. like, Oh, we're not getting a good sense of how they operate together. But I mean, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just giving him credit because uh, they've done so many other good movies. So, well, yeah, but but th- let's take this as a contrast. That came out, and you know, everybody's like, "We want to see the real one," and Marvel's like, "No, not yet." And yet, we saw it and commented on it, commented on it. And then the Justice League newest trailer, yeah, emerges and actually blew me away a little bit. Like, yeah. I was really, really pleasantly surprised to see that come out basically the same week that infinity war came out to to those of us who care i was just like wow so we went from infinity war which seems like this you know for a culmination seems that trailer and granted it wasn't a trailer for uh you know for the public consumption i get all that but it just it had this it just didn't feel like it was earned and then here's this justice league trailer which is like oh my god it's showing me stuff i didn't know i wanted like i am now more interested in justice league than infinity war who would have thought that ever be the case is it Iron Man fatigue or Captain America fatigue? No, because I still think you could do a killer Iron Man movie. I just think it's yeah. it's it's just so Marvel has been around so long now that th- there's a little bit of just fatigue in that in that sense, but they've gotten they've forgotten to make daring choices like in the in the way they used to. Well, and by that I mean by that oh, wait, by that I mean, by that I mean Doctor and maybe we're maybe it's going to change, but like Doctor Strange was not I mean, it was very much a paint by numbers uh marvel movie all even as much as i enjoyed it as did you ant-man paint by numbers marvel movie like Ooh, i i will with that i'll argue i mean i'll argue almost beat for beat that thing matches iron man one in more ways than people want to admit but that that aside no, that aside but like they've gotten into this kind of weird groove where i'm just like you guys are just in cruise control now like i want to see something really you know advance the cause now i think black panther is going to do that like just that yeah. black panther trailer alone makes me go oh my god this is the this is the direction but i'll even say spider-man homecoming felt a little just ah, 
It just if if we had seen no other Marvel movies before oh or near it, maybe Spider-Man: Homecoming would have blew me away. But I'm just like, I just felt like, man, at this juncture, I've seen this. Like I've seen this. I've seen this. And yeah, I've seen the Justice League to some extent too in other movies and things. But this trailer, like you know, they're putting Wonder Woman in you know front and center, rightfully yeah. so. We we all predicted that would happen. I I'd still I I do wonder if that's just for the trailer and if it's going to turn out like it's Batman's movie. I I think they were already angling pretty hard to ha- make it his and her movie, but I think now yeah. in, in you know editing and reshoots and stuff, it's going to be a lot of a lot of her. I sure hope um, so. I mean, biggest you know? biggest movie of the summer, right? Wonder Woman. So oh yeah, so far and so uh, you know, and granted, yes, it had its almost beat for beat uh, or shot for shot remake of Loki landing in Avengers. Only this time it was Steppenwolf Steppenwolf landing on uh, the mascara, but. Then it's like, you're like, holy shit, he's on Themyscira. Why? Like, why is he starting there? Like, I love that they're bringing the Amazonians into this at that level. Like, they're the, almost like the protectors of Earth. You mm. know, it's just like, they're just everything I saw in that trailer made me go, I am super duper anxious. And if they can somehow convince me that Superman's not going to be resurrected evil for, you know, the duration of the movie until the very end, like, right. I'll be even more excited. Like, if he just comes back and is like the most good you know, the fun version of himself, I I think we'll all shed a tear of joy. I just, I, for some reason, that trailer, it just hit me in, in, the, in all the right ways. And I don't know if that's, if Joss Whedon had anything to do with that. I don't know if um, that was just, you know, part of the plan the whole time, but it just, it, yeah. it had a different fun feel. You know, even that scene at the end where uh, Gordon is up with the, the bat signal and, you know, yeah. and then he turns around and the Flash is just standing there. And he's yeah. like, oh, it's great oh, that the oh. flash is the one that doesn't disappear. Yeah, right. And it's just <laughs> like that's kind of like, rude, isn't it? <laughs> and they all just kind of like and, and I just, you know, that was always kind of that character's character's deal. But I just I feel like maybe they did maybe they kind of, you know, even before Joss Whedon, maybe they kind of had figured out the right formula here. Um, yeah. which is not, you know, the 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 advantage it's gonna have is that it's gonna have more a little bit more straight edge than Marvel stuff does. You know, I think Marvel almost errs on the side of too much levity. Well, I mean, you know, I think this might be, throw, let me throw a weird theory out there that I honestly haven't given, given much thought to. It's just occurring to me as you're talking about this. And would you and I are apologists for Zack Snyder movies? <laughs> yes, of course. But with the exception of uh, Superman V Batman, bat soup, um, let's, he's actually done a bunch of great ensemble movies. I mean, Watchmen does a great job of introducing those characters, even if you don't like the movie, like Mm -hmm. the way that it moves through the characters and really establishes them, I think does a pretty good job. Oh, you're so right. Uh, Sucker punch, maybe not so much, but it is still a group effort in in Uh a way. Like it's a super group. I mean, even 300 felt more like a group. Like I I didn't go into that thinking it was uh, what's his name's, you know, starring role. Like I really yeah, thought like yeah. he was just sort of the lead of this band of people. Who am I trying to think of? Uh, I oh, going to say Russell Crowe, but Gerard no. Butler. Yeah. Gerard Butler. Yeah. Where did he go? Um, and, uh, you know, so I, it maybe, maybe just the trick was that like man of steel and bat soup didn't actually have enough characters in the ensemble for him. And yeah. maybe justice league has just got, maybe he really is good at that ensemble, uh, cast. And, and that's, you know, and hopefully they did take some notes from like how badly Suicide Squad was received and yeah. and um and and things like that and went yeah yeah we need to lighten this up you know and we've got some good opportunities to do that with Flash and we've got good opportunities to show a different kind of leadership with Wonder Woman and and let this you know the tough guy role be played by Aquaman or something 
Um, even though I, you know, I do wish there were like Hawkman or something, or even Plastic Man instead of Cyborg. I'm not a big Cyborg oh, fan. Plastic Man, oh my god! I, I, I just, I feel like <laughs> I was a big Teen Titan, uh, the the first Teen Titan uh, cartoon. Um, you know, the WB animated, you know, series that they were doing. I mean, they're on the like fifth Teen Titan iteration now, but that first one was great. And the way they treated Cyborg in that, I always thought was awesome. So I'm a little bit, my one complaint is that Cyborg seems a little wooden in all these trailers. Like he's just, yeah, I honestly, you know? that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And it's just like, well, all right. I mean, and, and maybe that was their, it would have been fun to see him a little bit more Luke Cage-esque. And then he and Flash could, you know, basically oh. pal around together because he would be as young as Flash. You know, he'd be a, you know, Late yeah, he teens, is, he is young, right? Yeah, I don't actually know who's the um the Flash in Justice League. Is it Wally? Is it Wally they West? Said yet? Have they? Do we know? Um, no, but uh, yeah, and I I will say that like when I was a reader of the Teen Titans, you know, I, I didn't have like strong feelings about Cyborg. I just once he joined the Justice League, I was I just didn't quite understand it. Like he was, I maybe he was always a Teen Titan to me. But anyway, we should move on from that and talk about. <laughs> yeah, well the. It, Probably the trailer the yeah. trailer of trailers <laughs> so all those trailers that we saw and mentioned were, were lovely except for ready player one i mean they were great and, and alone you know each of those alone would have been like wow that's great all of a sudden netflix shows up at comic-con and 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 like it's almost it's almost like they were sitting there in the audience you know like these trailers are playing they're like yeah okay you think that that that's just really cute that's that's good for you and they walk up there and they just lay down the biggest goddamn like I don't even know what where to even it, it was amazing. We're talking amazing. about the Stranger Things 2 thriller trailer. Stranger okay. Things goddamn 2, which we were all excited for anyway. You know, nobody had to convince us to watch that. It wasn't like you know, they could have thrown up a just a teaser card on Netflix and going like, you know, coming no. with Oh, that's I, such a great I thought. They they really could have just done that like you know, that weird music and just had the, you know, the title yeah. kind of surge at us and we still all would have binged it on October Oh, God, 7th. yeah. It would have been a record-setting thing. But instead, they they put together what I consider to be one of the finest trailers in movie history. And this isn't even a movie in the traditional sense. Like, this thing, like, and it was funny, too, because I, had, I, uh, I think when you and I and Emily were uh, recording a Wednesday in Westeros episode uh, a couple weeks ago, Right after Comic-Con, in fact, I was talking about Thor Ragnarok, and both of you were like, have you seen Stranger Things? I'm like, no. And there was kind of this, like, pause, this hushed pause. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, go watch it. And it's like... <laughs> right and, now. And, yeah, and, and, and I just, I, I consumed it, and it basically ruined the podcast for me, because I'm like, that was just haunting my mind the entire time. Oh, it was so goddamn good. It's so it, good. It, it, it builds... Well... It, it, it does the thing that the Ready Player One trailer should have done. It builds this... You get a full sense of the season in every way, way, shape, and form, in terms of the tone, the the raised, yeah. the the raised stakes. You know, the new Sean Astin's character. Like you immediately it, get a sense of who he is. You're like, oh my god. It also, to me, answered that question of like, you know, when when Stranger Things was over, we were like, what are they going to go back to the same cast of kids? Yeah. Like we wanted to then, be an anthology. And then if they're going to do that, how are they going to get Eleven back into it? Because obviously, like we loved her, we want to see more of her. And I felt like this trailer sort of answered that question really definitively. Like, yes, they have more to talk about with, you know, this cast or this group of characters and there's 11 and it was like, perfect. There's no, there's, you know, we're not like stuck waiting, like, Oh, you know, is it just going to be the boys? And like, you know, she's not in it or something. It was like, no, they answered yeah. it. Yeah. And it, it yeah, it she's was gonna really show cool. up. plus just, just running it to thriller. 
uh, by Michael Jackson. Oh God! Not just thriller. So it, it was a a sort of uh, remixed version. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That starts off and you don't quite know it's thriller, and then all of a sudden, like Vincent Price's you know narration comes in. And you're like, oh my God, they're actually doing yeah. that. They're actually doing. So not only was just the trailer itself amazing, you get stuck because you're like, oh my God, they're actually, they're actually doing. They bought Thriller. How did? How? <laughs> how does any of this happening? Well, Netflix is heavily in debt, but yeah. <laughs> I will say at Comic Con, they they had Netflix had like a whole outside. Um, uh, experience or something and they were giving away these cool like trucker caps that were just black and said stranger things you know on the stranger things logo and we really wanted to get one and we, we saw some guy walking out of the experience with one and we asked about it and he was like no you're literally waiting for like two hours just to walk through and see Gee. all their trailers well wow. <laughs> give you the hat and we were like nah we're not gonna wait <laughs> sorry man wow. uh but anyway uh let's move on to films and movies and do a quick recap because we did a a great like two episodes sort of previewing 2017 movies so yeah. let's, we can kind of catch up with where we are now right. our last todd and taylor show was was about wonder woman we did it with our friend emily kelly who's our co-host on uh wednesday and westeros um and she is also a co-host on fan theories uh which is another podcast uh here on findusthere.com or dot org sorry findusthere.org and anyway uh, you sort of badmouthed this one, but I'm going to start with it. I thought Spider-Man: <laughs> Homecoming was freaking genius. I didn't badmouth it. I just simply said, <laughs> "I simply offered. said, were this another day in time, I might like it more." I, I loved it. I mean, you you did see the movie, right? I did. Yeah. Oh, of okay. course, of course. Well, I just, I mean, I walked out of it like I can't believe I've seen two perfect superhero movies and three, if you count Guardians of the Galaxy, this summer because yeah. that and Wonder Woman. Uh, I just, I just, I, everything about it to me was like the, um, it, it, to me, it was like they did mean girls with a superhero Yeah, and yeah. that was I, everything I didn't know I wanted out of Spider-Man. Cause I typically think Spider-Man is a douchebag. Yeah. Like I just generally don't like that superhero. And I do think that the trend of, for a long time, that trend of making superheroes like darker and darker really you know, pushed me towards the lighter superheroes and really made me appreciate Ant-Man and, and Spider-Man and Civil War. But, um, man, I just thought they nailed it. Uh, you know, I thought that kid did a great job and the supporting cast was so awesome. And the, Oh God. Yeah. So it was great. And just, I, I, and I, and the, the twist and, and we shouldn't give it away, but there is, I don't know if it's a twist, but there is a reveal, um, about two thirds of the way from it that, I had actually heard right before I went in, like, oh, there's a reveal, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, oh, shit, I wish I hadn't even read that there was a reveal, you know? And it still snuck up on me. Really? And punched me in the gut. Oh, uh, um, no. I I don't, just, and I don't know why. It was just, like, clever direction in that moment where I went, like, oh, shit, you know? Um, it was just – I just thought it was such a wonderfully put-together movie and everything I want out of superhero movies. So uh, I'm willing to get over my Spider-Man – uh discussed and hopefully this just hopefully they can do one that's you know maybe not even this good but just just <laughs> closely good and we can start to get the taste of those other five spider-mans out of our mouths now okay awful i i actually liked the well i mean spider-man 2 with alfred molina you can't yeah. I, mean, that thing was I remember at the time thinking like that was the perfect superhero movie and but that they had come out very it all all that goodwill flushed down the toilet with spider-man 3 
Well, and the same thing with X-Men 2 and X-Men 3. We've discussed this. Like, yeah, X-Men yeah, yeah, 2 exactly. had come out. Spider-Man 2 had come out. I'm like, oh, my God. This is like yeah, the golden gonna, age. And then they golden just, age like, of superhero movies. They just they, they did, like, threw, they threw a snowball in our face like twice. Yeah. You're, you're just like a hard one, too, that they dipped in water and froze into ice. Like, oh, you thought that was fun? <laughs> really? I uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, I, I did like. I did enjoy it. Right. So let's just let's just yeah. make that clear. And I would say if I'm going to list three things that I really, really, really liked about it, um, Michael Keaton, first and foremost, that guy. What's interesting about that guy is that he's in his he has made the most out of his career resurgence. Right. Like he's been in really cool, interesting movies like The Founder and Birdman. But then he's doing stuff like this and he's bringing a level of like. almost like that bill murray kind of calm like michael keaton's really settled into who he is as an actor and it just you can tell and it shows and he's just he's really comfy in that in that headspace um he also think about this for a minute there was a few moments or a few shots where he would do an eyebrow raise or he would deliver a line and he sounded exactly like jack nicholson uh as the joker (laughs) circa 1989 like it, it was a little bit off-putting here and there because i'm like oh my god are you becoming jack nicholson but just overall like he's i, I mean michael and and number two he made the vulture cool i you know when they were first doing when they're back when they were doing the sam raimi movies and they're like it's gonna be malcolm or uh, not malcolm <laughs> john Mal- uh, it's gonna be john malkovich as uh, as the vulture i'm just like i we don't need to see that like that's not gonna be it's, the vulture's yeah. the least interesting spider-man villain in my mind like and- i just I mean, I just think this was rescued by Sony making that deal with Marvel. God, and Mar- yes. And Marvel going, we know how to do this. It didn't even have to have Iron Man in it. I mean, I actually it, sort it of dreaded have. too much Iron Man, but yeah, I thought, it it was, have had any, thought it was okay. You know, I, I wasn't, mean, it, I didn't hate it. I did I like, like that it was more about, um, uh, uh, what's his name? The driver and his relationship. Uh, happy. Yeah, happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. One, it does. It did in that regard. It did provide some some nice connective tissue to Avengers yeah, two, exactly. which I never thought I you know we'd see. the The third thing though that I really really liked about this that I never expected to, freaking Zendaya as oh that she's so that, good. Yeah, as as uh, as we found MJ. out, MJ, and I'm just like, so the whole the whole movie, Peter's pining after this uh, this you know this one you know the popular girl. Um, uh, who happens to be black, which I thought was a nice touch. I'm like, oh, good. It's just the we're just gonna go there right now, and and in this movie, I, I love it. Um, and so he's he's pining after her, you know, and she's kind of like the popular, you know, more refined girl. Meanwhile, Zendaya is playing this other girl who's Peter's kind of friend, you know, and she she'll drop these. Yeah, like, I don't she'll think drop she's these, anybody's friend. <laughs> well, she no, but she was like she was always kind of there. She was in part of the debate club, you know. She was always kind of around. She was of the group, let's just say. But she'd always drop these kind of lines where you're like, man, she's kind of into Peter. But it would it would be so subtle and so cute that you just like you didn't think, oh, they were trying to cram, you know, run her down our throat. She was just kind of there in the background, just kind of hang and and asked to do very little. But what she did just kind of sparkled. And I'm like, yeah. who is she? I want to see her. And then at the end, to find out that she's she is MJ. And I hope an M, you know, even if she's not quote unquote Mary Jane, I hope she's an MJ that Peter basically treats as Mary Jane. Like I would love yeah. that to be her. Because it's just like she earned she as an actress and that as a character earned that. Yeah. You know, this by by doing what it did in this first movie. And I was just like, I can't. 
if that yeah. hadn't happened, I wouldn't be as excited about the second one. But I'm like, oh my god, I want a second one just to see if these two um, hook up. And it's worth noting, Tom Holland and Zendaya are dating in real life now. Oh, really? So, yeah, you can expect some interesting chemistry if they do put those two together for for realsies. Well, there are a couple other cool things they did. Like they, I, I think his name is Flash, um, where he was. Uh, oh yeah, where, Flash in Thompson. the movie. He's yeah. Uh, but he's uh, Manuel in the movie, and he's just kind of like this douchebag that's like, but he's also, but he's not like a jock douchebag, I guess, right? Am I think, am I remembering this correctly? No, he's okay, like the so DJ the comics, guy at the at the yeah, party, in, in right? The comics and in the um, in the uh, early Spider-Man movies, Flash Thompson is like, you know, the big buff bully guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's like you're the classic, like ah, oh, you know, push you in your locker, Paca. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like you're that guy. And, and this is just kind of like a douchebag. Yeah, and he, no, but he is Flash. He is Flash Thompson in Spider-Man: Homecoming, and they've turned him into this kind of like rich Indian yeah. yuppie guy. Like, yeah. no, that's go, what I mean. Like, he's yeah, he's not the jock stereotype. He's just this like, yeah, kind of. Kind of he's a bully boy. in a he's a bully in a 2017 sense, right? And yeah. that he's you know he's he's the DJ at the dance. He's you know he's one of the smart smart preppy guys on the debate team he's constantly trying to like you know just single out peter and like rip on him you're not 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 physical intimidation but like mental and sort of social intimidation which i i really like too i'll I'll tell you my my favorite cast edition which i didn't i didn't even get this easter egg when i was watching the movie uh is jennifer connelly as karen the voice of spider-man's iron man suit Right, and of course Jennifer Conley is the wife of Paul Bettany. <laughs> Paul, Bettany, and Paul yes. Bettany was the voice of Jarvis, and now Vision in uh, you know in the Iron Man movies. Oh, he was that's great, Jarvis. Which was like both just a great Easter egg and like, and I you know adore Jennifer Conley. So did you? Okay, but did you? Did that did that plot device work for you? Because it, I mean, and I get well, why they did it. I just, I just, just like from him at a crucial moment, which I love. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't really like the idea that he was just sort of gifted this amazing Iron Man suit, but then it all fit within the character that he and Ned hack into it and turn off all the safety controls. And then just the fact that it gets taken away from him and he has to, you know, prove to himself that he's worth it. I, yeah. I, although that is a, a little cliched in that sense, um, it made up for the fact that we, granted, I didn't want an origin story. <laughs> from spider-man yeah. again North but it, it made up that it made up for the fact that we didn't get one you know it was like yeah here yeah. we are seeing him actually do his thing without the super suit um so i i, I was okay with it I actually made it okay because actually in civil war i was slightly annoyed that he had this like badass suit that was just sort of you know gifted to him so um yeah but, I, don't know, but, but I loved it i well I, final, two two kind of final final notes i i did find it interesting that they kind of uglied up marissa tomei just a little bit i like she, how dare you sir she had the glass she had like the granny glasses on you know more how often dare like, you and, no no but and i say that because in civil war she was a little too sexy like you're just like that's <laughs> how gonna be dare you she was <laughs> no 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 again. no <laughs> no no she's talking about if we're talking about the classic aunt may marissa tomei in civil war was like the sexy sister on May, like, and it's just kind of like she still is. Come oh, on, no, she is, she is. But they <laughs> gave her, you know, they gave her some mom jeans and they gave her the granny glasses and they kind of, you know, there was a couple when she and Peter were on the date, you know, she just there was some awkwardness to her that I really liked. It it made her 
sort of a little bit more accessible, right? I think that's really hotness is probably the the wrong lens to look at this through. It was it was like she's Marissa Tomei, the actress in Civil War. Here she's like, oh, I could actually see that being, you know, some aunt who lives two houses away from me raising her her nephew. Like that makes sense to like that would just you know Okay. I'll I'll allow it. She's still <laughs> she's still Aunt Bay to me. Well that's fine. That's- um, and the other the other thing I was gonna mention is that it's it's nice to have a a real uh, multi-dimensional villain, quote unquote, in Michael Keaton, who isn't dead. He's just, you know, yeah, they yeah. didn't kill him off. He's just, he's still around. He can come back. He can be interesting. I really, you know, and God help us, they may actually find a way to do Sinister Six for real. Yeah. You know, who knows? So yeah. anyway, moving uh, on. Let's move to another Marvel movie, which we can hit on really quickly. It came out much earlier in the summer, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 which I liked even more than the first one. But I've mm. discovered since then that I'm sort of in the minority there, even, even as much as people think it's a great movie. Uh, it was released digitally yesterday, and I bought it, like, instantly. I'd, I've just been waiting for this thing. I'm, I actually regret not having seen it more than twice in the theater. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it's, I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I, it's like everything I said about Ragnarok, I think, ties into that, too. Like, I just love that this is now a voice in the Marvel Universe. I was skeptical at first, but now it totally fits for me. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to Infinity War and all that kind of stuff. I liked Mantis more than I thought I would. I thought yeah. I'd be, I thought she was going to be in the way, and she actually fit in really... Like, her and uh, her and uh, Drax, like, had some really fun, fun, you know, fun scenes together. Um, yeah, that, that was some great chemistry. I really liked that. And I also just dug, you know, it it, it gave Yondu a, a lot richer. St- I mean, like he, he was great. Story. Yeah. Well, he was great in the first one too, but like yeah, this yeah. one, it, this is not at all what I thought. I thought he would. I thought, you know, if anything, he'd end up being like Nebula's real, you know, biological dad. Right. Or something, right. You know, or, you know, like did I never thought they would make him like the crucial, sentimental character in Peter's life? And I'm like, wow, yeah. what a what a fun, really well done. Uh, pivot on that character yeah i just really yeah. like that's i want to go back and watch the first one now with that context um because yeah. i might appreciate it even more yeah i'm looking forward to watching volume two again when we end this podcast um yeah. did you see dunkirk no i didn't and i'm not wow. going to what? And, yeah and here's crazy? well here's why i i'll it's i'll i'll summarize it thusly I really, I'm not okay with the fact that Christopher Nolan isn't working with um, his his former director of photography, Wally Pfizer. Like, I just, it's just not the same. I, I and and you know, Interstellar had the same problem. I'm just like, these don't look don't and feel to... like Christopher Nolan movies anymore. And I just, I need Wally Pfizer back to really buy in. And then um... I'm also just not. I'm just not into war movies. I'm well, that that's understandable. You know? I, it does feel very much like the cinematography of um you know the dark knight series and prestige you know, well actually prestige no but both not batman begins but both dark knights i saw on imax which they shot portions of um on imax cameras uh-huh. and that was just such a unique experience and so dunkirk i went to one of the 70 millimeter imax screenings you know yeah um uh and and it just it felt that you know you could tell like he knows how to use this medium and how yeah. to shoot in this like huge format um yeah i mean i i think it's 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 worth it i actually had a 
very difficult time at my viewing of it um, uh, because in that my preferred IMAX theater, I sort of like experiment with like how close I can get to the screen or whatever because I want to I want to get I want to find that medium where I can block out all the people around me, you know, and just have it fill my view. And what I didn't count on was that it was so incredibly loud and like nauseating with its mm. soundtrack. Um, and not to mention like when I was when I was totally enveloped really close to the screen and, and there's a lot of water and what I didn't foresee were a lot of like uh, drownings <laughs> and potential mm. drownings. And it was fucking terrifying. Mm. Like just, you know, to see that and like not be able to escape it because it's like literally from like edge of my vision to edge of my other vision. Mm. Um, it was pretty terrifying. So I actually want to go see it um, in a quieter, smaller theater. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I do think it has sort of the classic Nolan look to the film. Um, I almost wish it had been a more straightforward movie. There's some interesting like structure they've done with it uh, where you're watching uh, three or four scenes unfold at the same time. Okay. And it sort of takes a minute before you get that that jump, like the first jump happens and maybe you don't put it together like, oh, this overlaps with that one, you know, uh, I see. Um, and now that I've told you that, you will you will know when you go see it. But uh, you know, I, I it's a real powerful movie, and so. Um, but I do get if you're just not into like war movies, there's not really a lot there. It could almost have been a movie without dialogue. You know, sure. Oh, and, okay. And in fact, I think, I think he wanted it to be, or there was some news of like maybe he thought they were going to shoot without a script and just sort of improvise or something because there's very little that needs to be said. You know, yeah. it's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, did you happen to see baby driver? No, but I really oh. do want to see that one. Me um, neither. I feel like such a dumbass for not seeing well, it, but it, it came out like the weekend before the... comic-con game of Thrones came out that same weekend. Then I went to comic-con. I just haven't had a chance to catch up. So it feels like baby driver feels like that, that sort of kind of sleeper hit of the summer. Cause it can, it kind of came and went, but it was like, it had such a, a little spike in people talking about it and digging it and, you know, digging the soundtrack and the ability, you know, Kevin Spacey's in it, you know, the new Han Solo's in it. It's just like, I think it's, I'll definitely, definitely rent it if I don't make it to the theater to see it. But, um, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, were there any other movies that you wanted to mention that we, we haven't caught up on since Wonder Woman? Yeah, there's two. One is one just came out dark tower. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it this weekend. And by all accounts, I'm I'm going to probably enjoy it, you know, in the same way I would enjoy just the you know your bog standard summer you know summer movie. I just I it by all accounts it sounds like they got a few things right, but the the tone and just the uh, the fact that this probably just shouldn't be a movie. It just it, a lot of a lot of reviews are kind of ragging on it. So I'm yeah, you know, I, I'll be hope I'll be I, optimistic. I read something about it's like literally a jumping off point for a series. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it obviously fills in the gaps of the the books and the and the uh, the graphic novels, but then it was supposed to be sort of the the tee off to an, a series on I think either Showtime or Stars. I forget who's who's picking it up, but yeah, they're gonna. So I think I think McConaughey and uh, Idris Elba have to be in that too, to to some extent. Yeah, so. I th I, that's what I what I, what I read that like the series is actually going to time jump and tell like the stories of Space Cowboy before. The movie happens, yeah. but they will appear in it sort of in a you know flashback or, or flash forward or something like that. Yeah. So maybe not, um, and, maybe not regulars, but in it. Yeah. But anyway. And the other movie, uh, and I'll I'll say the other film that I really want to oh. recommend is one called Endless Poetry. It is the newest uh, 
work by Alejandro Jodorowsky, who I have made oh, yeah. no uh, no mistake in, in showing my love uh, for him on, on various episodes. You know, the the focal point of Jodorowsky's Dune, um, you know, very prolific uh, comic writer, uh, lots of lots of amazing work for this guy. He put out a movie a couple of years ago called A Dance of Reality, which is based on his early life as a child in Tokopia, Chile. And it was a cool, uh, very artsy film where he, you know, a lot of scenes were kind of literal. And then there's there's a lot of surrealism. Uh, I can't even say the word. Sur- surrealis- surrealism? surrealism? Yeah. Surrealism. Surrealistic? <laughs> Surrealistic, you need to, yeah. You need to cut this entire part out. <laughs> I <laughs> no, can't. We're not going to do that. Surrealist. Oh, yeah. Fuck me. Anyway. Surreal- yeah. Anyway. Anyway. God Almighty, this is gonna bug me now. But no, it's um, it's got some moments in it that are interesting. It's very you know very artistically driven. But it's you know he'll enter as himself as an adult director, like comforting his younger self. I liked it. But when he announced he was doing endless poetry as the next chapter, uh, focusing more on his uh, you know early twenties, mid twenties in um, Santiago, Chile, uh, pursuing the life of you know trying to become a, a professional poet. I was I was more interested because it just seemed like he had, you know, after being gone for for twenty years, he came back to 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 do a dance of reality, and it almost felt like he was dusting off the, you know, the cobwebs a little bit, you know, trying to get back in the groove. And and so endless poetry we saw kind of finally came to Denver to our our indie film center here, and it was it was possibly one of if not the most uh, beautifully moving films I've ever seen. It just uh, from the get go, it, it invites you in. He uses a lot of theatrical devices. He's got people in black, you know, moving set pieces and props around, and um, you know, it's got a very sort of play, play like feel to it. Uh, but it's just like there's so many beautiful, beautiful moments where he, you know, he's with his artistic group of friends, or he's, um, you know, talking with other poets uh, about what the life is like, or he's finding his muse at a bar, and she's this overbearing, like hyper type A woman who just you know, beats the shit out of everybody they they come into contact with. Just there's so many moments. My favorite one is uh, he meets a, another fellow poet um, who's a, kind of an inspiration for him, and that the two of them. Uh, start walking and, and Alejandro goes, you know, it's like, you know, life can be poetry. If we, if we walk in a straight line, what, what, what might we see? And they start walking and they walk through the town and he's, you know, they'll, they eventually, you know, come and come across a, a house and they knock on the house door. They're like, you know, the woman comes up. She's like, what are you doing? Like, we're, we're, you know, walking in a straight line. And they explain it to her. Then like, can we walk through your lovely home? And so they do. And they just kind of keep, they kind of keep going and they build like a whole sequence around just that idea of, of, kind of enjoying life from that that standpoint it's got its weird shit too don't get me wrong there's some there's some weird very you know intense scenes that you're like okay but it's it's definitely his most accessible movie Hmm. um and i just like if you're an artistic person in any way if you're a creator a writer uh, of any kind photographer watch this because not only is it just technically goddamn amazing but the spirit of it really will will set uh, sit with you for a while like there's it especially if you're in your you know your 30s or 40s where you know that the midlife sort of folks like us where it's just like i feel like you will you'll be re-inspired to do stuff you know you'll be it just the whole thing just hits you in an interesting way it's subtitled um you know so expect to read get your reading glasses on but i go see it it's i couldn't i couldn't it, it, it for me was my favorite thing i've seen this summer well, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out uh, along with <laughs> Baby Driver. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. Uh, wow. I think that 
I think that does it for us tonight. Taylor, where can uh, where can people find you if they want to discuss endless poetry or your opinions <laughs> on Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, you can. We can talk about Spider-Man Homecoming for sure. You uh, find me on Twitter. I'm at Taylor Trask. T a y l o r t r a s k. Todd, how about you? If you want to talk to me about um, Comic Con tips, uh, not just San Diego, but a whole bunch of them that I've been to, you can find me on Twitter at Hey Todd A. Um, and Taylor and I both do a podcast with our friend Emily Kelly called Wednesday in Westeros, which, as you might imagine, comes out on Wednesdays, and in which we talk about Game of Thrones. Um, and you can find that podcast, Emily's other podcast, which is called Fan Theories and The Todd and Taylor Show at findusthere.org, not.com.org. And we're on all sorts of social media as Find Us There as well on Twitter and stuff like that. So follow us in all those places. And I will see you next time, Taylor. See you, Todd.